I did fill out a guest card. I'll refer to that in just a moment. And you say, what are you talking about? Well, let me read Proverbs chapter 3. I'd like to read the first 10 verses uh, for you tonight. And you'll have to give me, again, some patience. But uh, chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. My son, do not forget my teaching. But let your heart keep my commandments. For a length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the table of your heart. So you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. Many of us know these two verses. In all your ways... Acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord your God uh, from your honor the Lord, excuse me, from your wealth and from the first of your produce. So your bonds will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Let's pray. Our Father in God, we are privileged and honored once again to open the word of God. I thank you for the many blessings that we've seen throughout the day today, all of which has showed us your hand and the things that you are accomplishing in individual lives, in local assemblies, in places around the world. And Father, we are so encouraged. We thank you that we're just a part of it, that Christ is building his church, and that, uh, Father, you're using your word to strengthen and encourage and equip believers. And, uh, Father, we pray that you'd help us to be uh, consistent and be steadfast in the preaching of the word, and that, Father, tonight you would just use it in our lives. Use our young people and the leaders that are there with them tonight to help them in preparing them as well in their walk uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ. So we commit the evening to you with thanksgiving, grateful hearts for a wonderful day, and pray you'd give us a rich blessing again this evening. In Christ's name, amen. We've entitled tonight's message, Practical Spiritual Wisdom. And what I mean by uh, signing a guest card and um, also uh, being a little patient with me tonight, Things don't always turn out the way you want them to turn out, and we know that, and you don't need the book of Proverbs for that. You, you just realize it in life, and it's been also that way on Sunday evenings. Um, in my personal opinion and from my perspective, unfortunately, there's been a very large gap in our studies in the evenings. In fact, in looking back at all my notes and the preparation and everything else, uh, I haven't been teaching in the book of Proverbs since July. And there's been, there's been a lot of gaps. Part of it was my own personal vacation. Uh, parts of it were speakers we had. Part of it was special occasions. And I don't want to list all the stuff for you. But it did fall into those categories. And it was just interruption after interruption. And it seems like the evening service, uh, naturally, even when we have guests coming in and so forth, uh, interrupts it uh, in many different ways. So it has been a while since we've been in the book of Proverbs. And here's where I ask your patience. How do you balance? Uh, some of you haven't been here for any of the series. Some of you have been here for all the series. Some of you have been away on vacation. And how do you balance moving forward without 
having people lost, and then without spending the whole time reviewing and going over everything that we've gone. And I'm just sharing this with you because, again, as pastor and teacher, it is a constant challenge that is there. So I did, as I prayed about it and, and, and really considered it before the Lord, I did want to accomplish both tonight. I felt it was necessary when you got a two-month gap uh, that's basically here because it was the beginning of July. Um, we need to do something so we know where we're at and what we've learned, but I don't want to beat it all down. And then where are we going? Where, where are we now in the book of Proverbs? What are we hoping to accomplish? So for, I don't say this so you fall asleep. That's not the idea. But let me remind you, and for those of you who haven't been here, hopefully you'll get the benefit and then the appetite, and that's been my goal with this book, to get the appetite for this book and the practical living that this book teaches because I feel it's so practical uh, for our lives in living a, a life that's a godly and honoring to the Lord. So let me move ahead with a, with a quick part of a review um, without a lot of verses. I purposely am not going to give you even verses on statements that I say uh, because we have looked at them and uh, hopefully that'll be available uh, through the website. Uh, um, and if you're new to this, this is a good start for you tonight. What we have learned, that true wisdom comes from above. The true wisdom that we need in life comes from above. It comes from two sources primarily. One is from God, and the other is from his word, the Bible. So if you want to have wisdom that comes from above, you want to get it from God himself, and you want to get it from the word of God. And one of the books of the Bible uh, is a manual, and it's not the only one, but there's other books of wisdom, but for godly living and for godly wisdom. And truly, the book of Proverbs is intended, I believe, by God for that as he talks to us uh, through this book. So the book of Proverbs is one of his manuals, so if you want to live a godly life and you want to live a life that's pleasing to him, we come here. So God has given us the book of Proverbs so that we can know a few things. Number one, so that we can know intellectually. We can actually gather information intellectually as to what God wants. What does God want of us? It's here in the book of Proverbs. And well explained. Secondly, he not only wants us to gather it intellectually because you need to do that first, but then he wants us to apply it to our lives to bring it into practice every day in every aspect of our life. We've learned that so far in our study. And how do we apply that? With discernment and understanding. So we're not just reading things, but we're reading them. And then with God's help, as we'll even see tonight, we are able then through discernment and understanding, apply that in two ways. Mentally, so that it guards our thinking and it in it engulfs our thinking, it consumes our thinking, if you will, but also morally, so that it'll come out in our life morally, so that it won't just affect us intellectually and then we go our way, but that it affects us morally. And what is the objective behind all of that? As we studied several weeks, we came down to this, and this is part of what you want to remember, and that is God's done this so that we will be skilled so that people will be skilled in life so as to please God. It's that simple. If you want to know how to please God, if you want to be skilled in pleasing God by God's wisdom that comes from above, 
then he's given us this book to equip us with the intellect for it and then to equip us with the how to work it out in everyday life. But it requires something as we continued on. We continued on to look at the fact that we can say that, but is there anything on our part or we just sit back, if you will, and just wait for it to happen? We just read our Bible and we read the book of Proverbs over and over. One of the things that I commit myself to, uh, just so that you know, I commit this also to uh, teens constantly, um, my own children, and that is I encourage them to read one proverb a day. And even that, if you do that, it's overwhelming. Because in one particular chapter, there is just so much that it's even hard to comprehend all of that. But if you commit yourself to that, and by God's grace, I don't know how many years I've been doing that for, but I still every month go through the book of Proverbs. And, and I would encourage that uh, of you because it's that practical. And since it's 31 verses, uh, 31 uh, chapters, again, if you apply it to a month, what do you do when it's the 28th uh, month? Well, if you can't read the other chapters, that's okay. That month, don't do it, whatever. The idea is to just perform the exercise because in here is some good practical instruction on how to have a life that's pleasing to God. But it requires two things. What is it? One is discipline. We've seen that. That happened in the first chapter of Proverbs. We have to be disciplined. We have to train ourselves. Discipline is training. We're talking about this with the men on Saturday mornings. And it is hard work. We need to hear it, and we, then we need to put it into practice. And it's just like with discipline with children as well. We do that for the purpose of training and getting them equipped. And so there has to be hard work. If you just think you can be a Christian and bump through life and read occasionally and not uh, try with God's help, it just won't happen. There's discipline. And the other thing is, and we don't like this, but we learn from the early part of the book of Proverbs, that the other thing that's required of us is not only discipline, but experience. And why I say we don't like it, because that means trials. That means tribulation. That's no different from the New Testament. The New Testament tells us very clearly that God uses trials in our life so that we will grow, so that we will mature, so that we will be perfected, so that we can be a better instrument, if you will, for his use. And that is true. This book will give you the ups and downs. It will show you things that, yeah, you've probably done that. Don't do that. And here's why. Do this and here's what will happen. Having said that and given you that, now that was uh, almost a month of study that I just summarized for you. What we did come down, and I will turn to this one verse in the review. It's the only verse I'm going to turn to in the review, and it should be drilled in your mind by now anyway. Go back to chapter 1 and verse 7. Because we said that not only to the book of Proverbs, but to everything, this is the key for wisdom that comes from above. And what is it? The fear of the Lord is the beginning. That's where it all starts. It is the beginning of knowledge. We said that was the key to the book. We said that was the key to really understanding God. It is the key really with everything. Everything begins there. If you don't have knowledge of God, then creation is going to mean nothing. If you don't have knowledge of God, let me just take it into some classes that I'm teaching. If you don't have the knowledge of what God expects as marriage, uh, from marriage, you're not going to go anywhere. We're talking about that in Sunday school. The problem is people don't realize or don't go back to the fact that marriage was a divine institution. It is his plan. 
man has no rights to tamper with it. And, if, and so that ends everything that's going on outside of what God says about it. But we don't go back to that. And so it's the same thing with parenting. If you don't have the knowledge of God and the fear of God, you will let your kids do whatever you want and you'll be influenced by, because we're going to get into those things, you'll be influenced by the philosophy of the world. And you won't worry, well, we can't, you know, make our children do that, really, and so forth. So everything, whether it's creation, whether it's marriage, whether it's child rearing, whether it's your job, how are you to react? We're going to get into that when you've got a boss that really is a bad boss, doesn't know how to manage. What do you do? If you have God's instruction and you walk in the fear of the Lord, you'll be able to have a life that's pleasing to him. But most often, even with Christians, what we do is complain about our job and complain about our boss and talk to everybody about how mean they are and so forth and so on, and we're way out of the will of God. And we wonder why there's no blessing, and we wonder why we're not pleasing the people. We wonder why this is happening or that's happening. So it all begins with the fear of the Lord. Well, what does that mean? We define that very quickly into two areas. One, it means both having reverence and respect. That is, we stand in awe is what we said. To have the fear of the God is to stand in awe for what? Who he is. For all that God is and he represents in his position. That is part of what fear of the Lord is. The second part of the fear of the Lord, and the book of Proverbs talks about it, the scriptures talk about it, is yes, folks, though we don't like to hear it, it is to have a dreadful fear of God. Not just to have that reverential fear, but both sides are part of the fear of God. It is to be afraid, afraid of what? Disobeying him. And one of the reasons our lives is not, uh, don't please him at times, or we fall into sin, is we lose that sense of, I'm going to disobey God. Going back to the practical example of Joseph, where Joseph said, how can I do this thing against God? That's what kept him from falling. And we need to have that in front of us. So both are involved. And then we just finished it up, and this is leading us to where we left off, is what does it look like? What does the fear of God look like? We looked at several things. Turning from evil came, comes up again in this passage. And then we looked at some biblical examples. And all of that is on tape uh, and so forth. Hopefully we will be on the website. So that is the foundation for where we are. That's a big summarization of what we've done, but that is all that I really want to cover with you tonight because we need to remember that it begins with the fear of the Lord. How does that get into the practical life and what are we going to study with our time with you and what's part of been my intent? I really want to look at five areas, just so you have it, and it begins tonight. There are five areas that I personally am going to concentrate on as I studied. And again, the book of Proverbs is addressed by different writers in different commentaries many, many, many different ways. But to try to make it helpful, here are the five areas of study, and I'll just give you a little glimpse, and we'll get to start the first one tonight. The areas that I really want to study with you is the first one is the spiritual area, obviously. What do we mean spiritual? Such as the importance of trusting God, that's tonight. We're going to start with that. The importance of trusting his word. The importance of praying. And that was one of the things I was going to comment on earlier Then I decided as I was talking a few moments ago to, to wait till this point. Have you heard tonight the importance of prayer and just how important it has been to pray about 
different things that you heard a couple of testimonies. And if you noticed how it was in the church through the CCB, we're trying to get more prayer requests out and so forth. Hold on to that because at the annual church meeting, you're going to be hearing more about prayer. Prayer is such a vital part of the Christian life, a vital part. And we're going to talk about that a little bit here on Sunday nights, not in a whole lot, but in the area of spirituality. I am then going to move from that area to the second area called the personal. What do you mean personal? Really get down to the nitty-gritty. What does the Bible say about anger, greed, pride, humility, honor, our own heart? And I'm going to try to address passages on that. Third area I'm going to get into is the family. What do you mean the family? And again, these are not exhaustive studies, but to gather some of the teaching out of the book of Proverbs on marriage, on children, on discipline. Uh, we'll try to cover those areas. The fourth area I'm going to try to cover is social. What do you mean social, Pastor Dan? We'll try to get into some of the things that the book of Proverbs says in relationship to our neighbors, in relationship to friendships, and what it can help us with there. And the last area that I'll try to cover is the area of our work, such as wealth, riches, slothfulness, diligence, and one thing that overlaps all of it is integrity. And we'll be talking about those things. So by God's grace, hopefully with some continuity, and I already know there's going to be some interruptions coming up, but we'll try to do the best that we can. I also want to tell you that ahead of time that there, you can't have it any other way. There is going to be some overlap. We will see verses that will cover, obviously, two or three areas. So that's just reality. But I'm going to try to make it that practical by considering those areas. So let's get started tonight with what time we get left and start with the first one, and that is the spiritual area. Some practical teaching from this book in the area of having spiritual wisdom. And I read this passage in chapter 3 because that's where we're going to begin tonight. And this has obviously got the title, Trusting God. The practicality of trusting God. Now, we probably have memorized, I've assigned it for memorization in many different groups uh, that I've taught over the years, verses 5 and 6. And they're great verses. Where it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. What does it mean to trust? Let's just touch very simple, very basic. It means to have confidence in, total confidence, to commit yourself to it. When we talk about, when I say that I trust my wife or my children, when I hope that my wife says she trusts me, that is, she's got confidence, or I have confidence. Right now, she is down with Aaron and helping them and so forth and so on. I have total confidence in my wife, not only with her ability to help uh, my daughter and my son-in-law and to be all excited, but I'm not worried about her going out with some other guy. I'm not worried about what she's going to do. I'm confident. I know my wife. And I am confident wherever she goes. If she went on a, a trip and like she did one time and said, uh, you know, I'd like to get up and visit my sister in Alaska and so wonderful, go. I have full confidence. I know my wife. I know I can trust her. I am committed to it. I am committed to trusting her. I am committed to trusting others. And that's what it's talking about. When it's talking about trusting God, it is talking about having total confidence in him. Now, that sounds good intellectually, but hold on to it. 
Because a lot more is going to be said in just those two verses. It's committing myself to it. And that's what we ought to do. In our spiritual life, for us to be successful, I have to have full confidence in his personhood and in what he has said. Remember, the New Testament, it says it in Deuteronomy as well. God cannot do what? Lie. Have full confidence. You may not, you may intellectually read some things that he says in his word or in the book of Proverbs and can't even make sense out of them. I'll come back to that in a second. But you ought to trust God if he says it's so and follow that path. That is different sometimes when it comes to practical daily living because we know it, but we really question we really don't have that confidence. So let me put it a little bit in the context first before we deal with just verses four and five. You'll notice in the book of Proverbs, and I covered, and I didn't even address that tonight, how there's two verses, four verses, eight verses, 10 verses, and so forth in some of the Proverbs as they're presented. But you notice the writer stats in chapter three, as he did in chapter two as well. He says, my son, do not forget my teaching. And that interested, that's an interesting word there, teaching, because it comes from the, the word Torah. And, and so forth, but he says, my teaching. Uh, just a couple of things to point out there. He's, he wants his son to pay attention to the instruction because the father was to be the head of the home. There's a challenge, folks. The father was to be the head of the home, not just by headship, but by teaching and by example. We are, as dads, if you're a dad here tonight, you have the responsibility, and if your kids have grown up and gone out of the house, still take the lesson and apply it and help others with it. We ought to be an example not just in teaching alone with verbiage, but with example. Go to church, and I don't go to church. Read your Bible, I don't read my Bible, and so forth. Great example, folks. And that is not what Solomon wanted. He was instructing. And he, what was he instructing? He was instructing the things that God had given him. That's why he's going to come to verses 4 and 5. He knew what the instruction was that he had received. He knew where he had failed. He knew where through experience he had been successful. And he wanted his son to learn. And he wanted his son to grow. And he wanted him, notice this, but let your heart keep him, not just outwardly not just by conformity outward. So often will we go wrong, let me touch this now even though we'll expand later, so often will we go wrong as parents, we want our kids to be morally correct and in environment so that we don't get embarrassed and so forth and we're really not training them to really be seeking in their heart to be in it and really following the Lord. We miss. But he wanted it. And he says, why? For length of days and years of life and peace, they're going to add to you. And in the long and short of it, let me say this, and you'll see it consistent in Scripture, the life of people who follow evil and the life of people, though God may spare their life, there's many warnings that that life can be shortened. And the first commandment of promise is even obeying and honoring your father and your mother. So he wants them to take the teachings, and he goes a little bit further. He says, don't let kindness and truth 
and that kindness and truth. Don't leave you and put it around your neck. Put it on the table of your heart. And notice again, the productivity will be, verse 4, you'll find the favor. Where? In the eyes of God and in the heart and the eyes of man as well. Very practical teaching. And all he talks about there so far uh, is what? He talked about two elements. Let kindness or love, and it's related to that word, and truth. Don't let it leave you. Now, we are living, as you well know, in a time, and it's everywhere, in which there is not the push for, nor is there even the discussion of there being any truth or being dogmatic, sorry. I don't apologize for that. I shouldn't even say that. But God has given us truth. We do have truth. Our yardstick is the word of God. It is not man's philosophy, whether they like it or whether they don't like it. Well, we've got to respect this man's opinion. We've got to respect this one's opinion. Yes, we do have to respect their opinion, but it doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean because of a culture that it's right. It doesn't mean because it is the 21st century and we have all advanced, quote, unquote, technology that it's right. It may not be right. Our standard is to go back and to understand. And Solomon knew that. He had been given the, the teachings, and he was trying to pass that on to his son, and he wanted him to learn the truth and kindness and love. Now, that's easy to say. And we can say, we'll live the Christian life, and we'll teach our children that way, and that's good for our spiritual life. You go through with truth and kindness. But notice, that is the context of verses 5 and 6. What do you mean? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, not in some of them, in all of your ways acknowledge him, that is the Lord, and he will make your path straight. Now, okay, fine. Now there's a lot of words that we could look at and I could spend the time on. It's kind of interesting because if you look at one of the Hebrew words, it talks about lying down on your face and then to be supported by getting up and so forth when you I don't want to do all of that and expand on all of that in great detail what I really want you to catch is this it is impossible just like it says in Galatians to live the spiritual life in your own power it's impossible to go to the book of Proverbs and just gather information intellectually and then say, oh yeah, I'll live with kindness, I'll live in truth. Just let me at it. It won't happen. We have to trust God, even when it doesn't make sense. And you cannot lean just totally on your understanding. Why? Because some of the things that you will learn from God and will affect every area of our life, will go contrary to our conscience. Let me just make it real simple in the beginning. The cross goes contrary to our thinking. That somebody would die on a cross, or that God would demand that for me to have salvation? That he would provide forgiveness? It goes contrary. That is why, to the Gentile mind, we learn it's what? Foolishness. It doesn't make sense. You look at creation and you look at it and God created it. And you say, well, that's obvious. Yeah, because you're a Christian. 
talk to somebody else. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't look that way. How about the resurrection that we talked about this morning? Does the resurrection make sense to your mind normally? Be honest. How many times as a Christian have you wondered honestly, is there really a resurrection? I, gotta, you know, I know I believe it. I know I believe what the word said. Maybe you're sitting there and you say, I've never had that doubt. Hmm. People doubt their salvation. People doubt about the resurrection. They wonder, what have you got to do? God says that all will come forth from the graves. You got to trust it. That's walking by faith. Even when it doesn't go. Salvation. The power of the gospel. That was this afternoon. I was talking as I gave the message this afternoon. That's what I was talking about. That that church in Lawrence is not to live by the philosophy. What is the philosophy of the churches today in religion? Entertainment guaranteed. And if you don't think that that's so, you are kidding yourself. It is entertainment to the utmost. Eloquence of speech. And Paul said, look, I don't come with any of that. Why? Because I don't want your faith standing in the power of man, but in the power of God. And so he had to uh, trust in what? The foolishness of preaching. Because it is through the preaching of the word. And today, the services are becoming more and more about everything else and less and less about the time that's given to the word of God. And that is statistically so. Just test it out and go look at it. But we ought to rely. And so what I'm telling you, that's why he says to him, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, in every area. And I touched upon salvation. I touched upon creation. Uh, what about in bringing up children? Yes. What about at work? Yes. What about with health? Yes. What about with riches? That'll come up in the text in just a second. Yes, he's saying, trust God. What he says will come to pass. You can commit yourself to it. You can have to full confidence in it even when you don't understand it and your path will come out straight. Why? Because God's way is right. And just in this immediate context, he deals with two areas immediately. What are they? The first one is verses 6 through 8. It's regarding evil, and it ties into the fear of the Lord. He says, do not be wise in your own eyes. And he doesn't stop there. Fear the Lord, and he tells you why. And turn away from evil. That's where the fear of the Lord is. We talked about that before. So even when you see something comes up and, and so forth, turn away from the evil. Don't try to rationalize it. Don't try to be wise in your own eyes. Don't come up with your own way. When God says flee, flee. Why? It'll be healing to your body, refreshment to your bones. And some of the things that will come up in the book of Proverbs, you won't have to suffer. But if you follow those paths, you will. Then he's practical in a second area. One that we all love to hear about, right? One that we talked about about two hours ago. What is it? Wealth. Now, I will deal with that a little bit more later, but in the context of trusting the Lord in all of your areas, where is it in our life? Before I deal with 
uh, finances. Where is it in my life? Where is it in your life today? Is it physical health? Is it your job? Is it with your spouse? Is it, where, where is it? Finances? Where is it that you're trying to rationalize things and you know what the word of God says? Allow me a little grace on this one. But I will never forget um, this among many, but this one has always stuck in my mind, sitting down to somebody, with somebody, and they said that you don't know what my spouse is like, and da 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 and they went on. And I said, but the word of God says, under your situation, and with everything else that I knew about, don't divorce the person. You know what the person said to me? I know that's what the word of God says, but I'm going to do it anyway. That's going totally contrary, totally contrary. Even if many people jump on board and say to that person, that's okay. You gotta do what God says. What about finances? Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first fruit of all your produce. I know what I'm about to say is probably speaking the expression to the choir. I know that, but I'm studying the book of Proverbs. You pass it on. I will do it as well as a teacher. But what is that saying? The Lord should be first even with your wealth. Not your bills. Not your, sir. how many people, I don't want to raise a hand obviously, don't give to the Lord because they say I got no money left. It's backwards. God comes first. And that's really what the Old Testament teaching was. And when he's talking, remember, I, I didn't get into that tonight, but what the book of Proverbs is all about. Don't run out of here because I'm telling you, evangelistic preachers are using verse 10 wrong, and they're saying, look, just claim it. Go out and give us $100 today, and God's going to fill your house, and there's people that are falling into that trap. That's not what this is about. He's talking about trusting God. He's talking about if you follow God's principles and you keep him first, even in the area of your finances, he will take care of you. He's, and David said, I've never seen basically the saints be without. God always provides. God says in the New Testament, he'll press it down and so forth. That's, again, uh, a little expanded area. But oftentimes, we don't think of it that way. We think of it savings first, bills first, savings second, and so forth. Our mind should be set that even with our paycheck, the first part of this go, whatever, and that is between you and the Lord and your giving. So I'm not telling you how much to give. But in your wealth, it should be, I am committed that he owns everything I have and he's first, not last. What does he say? God will never fail you. And that's contrary to our understanding. Let's just think of it in the economic situation. That's what I'm trying to say. When he says, trust in the Lord in all your ways, okay? Uh, we can say, yeah, I'm trusting in the Lord in all our ways. In all my ways, I'm acknowledging him. I'm, I'm leaning on him. I'm, I'm putting him first. But, you know, I lost my job. The economy's tough. Things are difficult. And, and so forth and so on and so on. And uh, it still comes down to the practical area. Will, when you don't have the understanding of how the next thing's going to be provided, will you still look to God and say, even with my wealth, I will honor him first? Wow. I don't know about you, 
I'm being honest with you. That challenges my thinking. That is contrary to somehow the way I would want to think. But God says he will provide, and he will overflow the vats, if you will, with new vine. What is the point? That's the point of verses 4 and 5. The spiritual walk with God is practical. It's not just head knowledge. I know I need to keep God first. I know I need to really put him ahead of everything else. Okay? How about in wisdom? How about in finances? Well, wait a minute now. Let's not get too close to home. That's the all the ways. That's to let him take charge. He will provide. And he is not asking you to sell everything you have, for example, and then just foolishly trust God. No. It's just, God, I'm keeping you first. You show me how I am to do that, whether it's, and it's not just giving in the church, even with finances. It's, it's how I am to handle this and what I can do, and, and, and let me trust you first. And yeah, I might have to, things will be tight over here, but I got to trust you. I know you, I'm going to keep you first with the first fruits. In fact, when we get there, we'll see that God rebuked Israel because that's what didn't happen in their life. While they were claiming the scriptures, while they were claiming God as their God, they basically were letting the house of God go and weren't even giving their offerings to the Lord like they should have been, and they were taking care of their own houses, and God rebuked them and said, you're coming down because you got it backwards. We ought to trust the Lord in every area. I've already gone over. Um, I think that's enough to chew on tonight. Might God help us not only to learn what the scriptures say, but then in the practical area to do this. When you don't understand how something can work, when you see, let me leave you with this, when you see in God's word instruction that you look at and you say, if I apply it, I don't know how it's going to work, trust them. Trust them. Now, obviously, it's got to be rightly divided. I haven't dealt with that. Uh, but I think you understand that as a congregation, and, and we have to understand it in its context and everything that's used, but that's the principle. Son, hold on to my teachings. Use kindness. Cling to truth. Okay, I cling to truth, and then what do I do? Trust in God when you don't have understanding. Don't lean on it. In all your ways, acknowledge what he's saying. He'll direct your paths. He'll make it straight. In the area of wisdom, yes. In the area of wealth, yes. Trust him. He will never, ever let you down. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you for such a God. And Father, I know myself, my faith is so weak at times. Things come up, just don't see how it's going to happen. Don't see how we can go down a certain path, knowing even what your word says. Father, help us, help me, help others not to lean on our own understanding. Help us not to be so caught up by the world's philosophy that it influences us so that we fail to measure it against the standard of the word of God in any area. But we learn in all of the areas of life that as we get instruction from you, that by your grace you'd help us to understand it and by your grace we'll lean on you and trust that if we follow your way 
It'll be what's best. It'll be what's pleasing in your sight. Father, some who have followed your way have followed right to death. And that was the way that you had planned for their life. And Father, that even becomes difficult. But help us to trust you in all our ways. Not to lean on our own understanding. And Lord, to look for you to bless and to be pleasing in your sight. So that we, in our walk, would be pleased with knowing that we are pleasing you. We thank you for this time together. We ask your blessing as we depart. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.